All right, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Uncle Jimmy, and I'm here at the vaunted Rock and Roll Garage, bringing you your weekly automotive technician podcast called Greased Wheels. Hey, one of the things I want to say every time I come on is how much I appreciate what you guys do. But I also need to add something to that. I need to add that I appreciate immensely, by the way, that you actually listen to this podcast, which is really honestly, to me, one of the craziest things that anybody could ever do. I I honestly mean this. And this is because I have spent a good deal of time in the automotive industry and I've spent a good deal of time as a technician. And the one thing I have noticed that is universal throughout my employment is that nobody is fucking listening to anybody. Not me, not the guys next to me, nobody. Nobody is listening. And I'll bet you a thousand freaking dollars, US that is, if you're listening overseas, uh, I would bet you a thousand dollars that nobody's listening to you either. And I've talked to a lot of different mechanics, believe it or not, and I've actually listened to the answer, but that's just because I've asked the question. Uh, is anybody really listening to you? And then they rattle on about some shit. And uh, it seems pretty obvious to me that actually nobody nobody is listening to them. Um, and I wanted to kind of address that on here because I'm betting that the same thing happens to you guys, whereby you know, really nobody, nobody is fucking listening. And that's why I want to say I appreciate that you guys actually listen to this because in my life, in, in my existence, in my employment, where I work, nobody's listening. Nobody's listening. Uh, there's a lot of talking. As Mr. T would say, there's a lot of jibba-jabba. And uh, just nothing's getting accomplished by any of this. And even if it is, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter because it's falling on deaf ears. Nobody is fucking listening. And, and I, I want to explain to you what I mean. And then you could see if it actually fits into your narrative at your place of employment. And I, I'm, like I said before, I, if you weren't listening, if, like I said before, uh, I believe it's probably not. One of the things that I have discovered is that the higher up you get into management, the less you listen. And really, quite honestly, even at the lower levels of management, you're done listening. You're done listening to people and what they have to say and maybe even their ideas, maybe their complaints, maybe their, maybe even their uh, wishes or needs. I mean, it seems to me like the only thing that my employers ever listened to me when I said was, uh, I'm fucking leaving. I quit. And then they go, why? And I go, oh, oh, because this is the first fucking time you've asked me why anything, dick. Okay. I mean, I get frustrated and worked up. <laughs> Believe me, if you don't know me, I can assure you that it, I do. Uh, and if you do know me, uh, duh, right? <laughs> Seriously, uh, I spend a lot of my time on the very ragged edge of being flaming pissed off. So, <laughs> uh, hey, what can I do? I have a lot of passion for what I do, and I uh, uh, try to do the best I can. I really honestly do. And uh, it just doesn't work out sometimes. And sometimes... it's harder than it needs to be, you know? And then (laughs) I, it's funny because that's one of the things I said to one of the guys I work with the other day. He said, he said, are you having a tough time today? And I said, yeah, you know, this, this car is fighting me and, you know, I I keep dropping stuff. My, my dexterity isn't as great as it used to be. And, and a lot of the, the, I'm working on an old car 
an older car, I should say, because everybody has a different definition of what old is, okay? Uh, believe me, when you get old, you'll find out. But I'm working on an older car. is one we don't work on very much anymore, and a lot of the uh, things that I need to do to this car have been done before, but by people who probably should be doing something else. And so he says, oh, you know, are you, you're ex- you know, you're having a tough time. And I go, yeah. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I wish I could, there's something I could do that I could help you. And I said, no, it's cool. I said, I know that it's going to be hard, okay? I, I, don't, I know that it's not going to be easy all the time, but I just wish it wasn't so fucking hard. That's all, you know? I just, <laughs> I don't want it to be easy. I just don't want it to be so fucking hard. And he, he smiled and laughed and walked off because there's nothing he can do about that. So even if he wasn't listening, it doesn't matter. Same result. <laughs> he can't do anything. He can't make my life easier. He's not going to anyway. Uh, that was an advisor uh, that, that works where I work. But uh, what, what, one of the things that as technicians, and, and, and you only have to have a couple, two, three years under your belt, one of the things that you're going to come to realize is that there's a way of doing things that is good there's a way of doing things that is bad and then there's the way that things get done okay and just about everything in the shop that isn't really fixing a car because you personally as a as a human being as a technician as a person with a brain and tools and diagnostic equipment and all that you're responsible for fixing the cars but everything else that goes on in the shop you you're completely not responsible for that okay you're not responsible for you know, I mean, really, literally everything else. I mean, you're not responsible for the fact that the oil tank is empty or full. You're not responsible for the fact that where you put used oil is empty or full. Uh, you're not responsible for where the scrap goes. Uh, you're not responsible for taking out the garbage, I hope. Uh, you're not responsible for cleaning the floor. You're not. There's a, whole, a myriad of things that affect you and your job that you're not responsible for. And quite frankly, no one wants to be responsible for those things. So if you have some sort of input as to how those things should be done or where they should be done or when they should be done, <laughs> let me just tell you right now, nobody's fucking listening. Nobody cares, okay? And and this is, I mean, it literally goes on everywhere. And uh, for me, it's a bigger problem. I would hope, anyway, let me just put it this way. I would hope it's a bigger problem for me than it is for you because, uh, the autistic little 12-year-old boy that lives inside of me can't stand a mess. He he just gets nervous, upset, twitchy, uh, almost homicidal when he sees a mess. And if the mess is something that I have to, you know, if somebody leaves something all fucking jaked up, all, all fucking cattywampus, you know, with shit everywhere, strewn about in the most random manner possible, and everything's all fucked up, and whatever it is that I need to use to do my job is either empty or broken, I'm out of my fucking mind. Now, if, if you're the same way, I, I feel for you. But if you're not, if you're one of these technicians who is a slob, frankly, most technicians, and I would say probably 90% of you, are slobs uh, and, and on different orders, okay? Some of you will keep it somewhat neat and then there's some of you who aren't happy unless there's an enormous fucking mess I mean an enormous fucking mess then you're you're happy and and I actually have a term for that I don't know if it's an official term I'm not sure if I heard it somewhere or what but I call it the coziness of clutter some people are not happy unless there is shit strewn everywhere about their bay okay 
I personally, I can't, I can't work like that. No, my bay is typically uh, clean. My shit is marshaled. Uh, you know, the nuts and the bolts are, are in, in some sort of order, you know, as I've taken them off the car and as I'm going to try to attempt to put them back on the car. Uh, and so I can't work in a mess. That's basically what it comes down to. It's, and it's not fair to people who have been officially diagnosed as having OCD, but I, that's, that's what it feels like to me. At least that's what I think it feels like. So it's a problem for me. And I can't say to somebody, oh, you need to stop making a mess because you know, as well as I do, that technicians are going to do pretty much the exact opposite of what you want them to do. And if I say to somebody, hey, how about you don't make such a fucking mess? Guess what they're going to do next time? They're going to turn it up a notch and make an even bigger fucking mess than they did last time. And, well, it proves one thing, that they, A, actually did listen to you, and, B, that they disregarded what you said to them, which is the other thing that happens when you're looking for somebody or you want somebody to listen to what you're saying. That's one of the other things that goes along with the listening, okay? If people aren't going to listen to you, that's one thing. If they if they just, you know, I mean, if it's like a, a Peanuts cartoon, you know, where they just hear, you know, and, and they don't hear anything that you say in any kind of a coherent manner whatsoever. The other, the other side of that coin is they hear what you say and they don't give a fuck what you say. And that's the worst, really, because at least in the shop that I'm in right now, we have quite a few individuals who have experience working in other shops uh, and around the country, too, by the way. We have some that are from Texas and some that are from California. Uh, a couple of guys are from Michigan. I'm from New York myself. Uh, there's, uh, And so that's a pretty good cross-section of the United States, at least. It's the input from technicians that are from around the country could be extremely valuable because you're going to find different experiences with different climates, different types of clientele, different types of problems that you might have. If you're in a hot location, the problems that you have with the vehicles are going to be vastly different than the problems you have with vehicles that live in a colder climate or a very cold climate for that matter. Okay. So you have a lot of experience in the shop. I think, the you know, out of all the experience in the shop, I probably have the second most. Uh, I have another gentleman I work with who has the most, has a, a real lot of experience with both uh, dealerships and independents and his own shop, uh, apparently. And then there's a, a few other guys who've had, you know, 10, five, six, seven, eight, and up to 10 years of experience working in other shops. So if you were in management where I work right now, you have a lot of experience in the shop. These are guys who've seen a lot of different things done a lot of different ways. And if you had a problem or if you had some sort of uh, situation and you were trying to figure out what to do, don't you think you'd ask these guys what a possible solution might be? I would, to me, in my way of thinking, that would just be smart. It's like, how are you even going to know what your options are if you have no idea what your options are? You know, you have no idea what, what, what has worked somewhere else or what hasn't worked somewhere else because a lot of dealerships are the same, really. You know, let, let's say you had a, here, let's, let's, uh, we're not going to invent a problem here, but the, here's a problem that can occur and has occurred. Uh, and, and in the manufacturer that I work for, there's probably uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 340, 350 dealers in this country, in the United States, that is. And, just about every single one of them has a parking problem. And there's a myriad of solutions to these parking problems. A myriad. There's 
dozens and dozens of different solutions to the parking problem that you have. First off, you need to have, if, you are, if your dealership is all one location, one spot, one pad, or as you know, in the real estate business, I think they call them pads. You have one pad and you have set aside X number of parking spots. Let's say 500. And you would think, oh, you know, I'm going to build a dealership and I'm going to have 500 parking spots. And you, and you would think that that would be enough. Okay. But then your manufacturer sends you 300 cars. Okay. So now you're down to 200. And you're like, fine. I don't have 200 employees. I have about 50. Okay. So you've got 50 parking spots for employees and you've got 300 parking spots for new cars. And now all of a sudden you have used cars and used cars is and and I love to talk about the used car pirates, the fucking pirates, <laughs> the pirates who run the used car department. What they have is anywhere, literally anywhere from uh, 50 to 150, sometimes even 200 cars s- cycling in and out of the used car department any given time. They'll have uh, used cars that are on the lot. So they're taking up parking spaces there. And then they'll have trade-ins and <laughs> probably... Well, to you and me, nine times out of 10, but to the used car department, five times out of 10, those cars are shit and they need to get on a car carrier and get the fuck out as quickly as possible because they're just shit. You know, they're people, they're cars that people didn't want. And the only reason we took them is because they drove them here, tossed us the keys instead of taking my new car and they screw and they never come back for it. Uh, Other people actually get, trade them in officially and they become our cars and we look at them and go yeah i don't think so although that's a bone of contention with the used car department sometimes they'll take a car that you as a mechanic or even you as somebody with common fucking sense would look at and say yeah we don't want that car in our lot and then they go well we could make a lot of money on it so let's just put it out front and see what happens yeah and then when they sell it it becomes a headache for the service department and so that's another one of those things where people don't listen to you. They don't listen to you at all. You tell them a car is a pile of shit and that they shouldn't sell it. They should wholesale it and they don't. And then it comes back and now all of a sudden it's your fucking problem as a service employee. And they don't care. They don't care. They have just transferred any kind of problems that you know that customer might have with that car from themselves to you. And you can't tell them anything because guess what? They're not listening they're not going to listen to you they don't care to them it's all about the coin and they might as well stuff the coins in their ears because they're not using their ears okay but seriously uh so you've got a parking lot let's get back to the original story back back to our main story so you have a parking lot it has 500 spaces you think that's a lot but you've got 300 new cars you've got 50 employees you've got 150 used cars and then you've got no room for customers cars so somebody comes and it, let's say you had a collision shop or a detail shop forget it you're going to need at least for a collision shop you're going to need at least 50 parking spots and for a detail shop probably the same thing so there's 100 so now suddenly you have to figure out where to put eh, right around 100 cars because i'm not going to do the fucking math it's sunday i'm not doing the fucking math okay <laughs> I'm lucky I can add up the football scores on the games I'm watching, all right, folks? So, But you're, uh, you're short parking spaces. So what kind of solutions would you have? Okay, now whose job is it to figure out what the solutions are? Well, there's part of the problem, too, because nobody wants to take ownership of that fucking problem. You know, the carporters will come up to the service manager and say, I don't have any place to put customer cars for service. And then tow trucks are pulling it and say, you have a collision shop, which makes it 
way fucking worse, okay? But the tow truck drivers show up, and because these guys typically have an IQ that can be measured on a Richter scale, they'll take a, a car that is all fucked up, and I mean fucked up, I mean, the wheels are bent and broken, and, and, and the only way to get the to, the only way to move the car is to pick it up with a fucking forklift. And they will set these fucking cars right down in the middle of a fucking area where you don't want anything, and you can't get even around it. But they'll just throw them there at four o'clock in the morning and not give a flying fuck about whether or not it's screwing up your fucking business. They don't care. They don't give a shit. You've seen it. I've, all of you have seen it. If you work in a shop where people drop off stuff with a tow truck, and I use the word people very loosely then you know they put cars, they, in fact, if they have an opportunity to put a car in a spot where they think you might want it or the opportunity to put a car in a spot where you definitely don't want it, they're going to pick that spot you definitely don't want it in every fucking time. So here's a problem. Here's the problem that you have. You need, you need parking for about 700 cars and you only have parking for 500 cars. What kind of solution do you come up with? Well, there's several actually. Now, honestly, uh, as a technician, it's, I'm kind of surprised I know this, but I, I learned this from someone that I used to work with. If you work for a new car dealer, and especially our uh, the brand that we work for, you can actually change the priority on the cars being delivered to you that are brand new. You change the priority on it. Suddenly, you're not getting these cars from the port. They sit at the port until you change the priority on them. I think you change it to a, uh, you know, I don't even know the, the protocol or the, uh, or, or any of the uh, instructions that you need to follow to get this done. But you change your priority on them and they wait at the port for you to release the priority so that they can ship them to you. And you would think, okay, but how can you sell a new car if it's not on your lot? And this is the way a lot of sales managers think. Oh, I want my, I want the product I'm selling here. But somebody else explained it to me, somebody, a whole different person explained it to me. If you have a car at the port and it's exactly what your customer wants and you tell them it'll be there in two days or even one day, depending on how close you are to that particular port, that guy in his mind has built it up that this is going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. When it finally shows up, the anticipation is going to kill this motherfucker. <laughs> so when that car shows up, he is going to fucking buy it unless they drop it off the car carrier. And even then, after you fix it, they'll probably still fucking buy it. So there's a solution to your problem. You don't have to have 300 new cars on your lot. You could leave some of them at your port or at the shipping, shipment center at the factory, possibly, maybe not in all manufacturer's cases, but in the one that I work for, you can do that. So there's a solution. There's part of the solution. Okay, so maybe you have them hang on to 50 or 100 cars. So that frees up a little bit of space. So you can bang the used cars over there a little bit more or rearrange that shit up there. Now suddenly you have a space for the employees to park. And this is, this is a bone of contention with me, okay, because what'll happen is the small-minded people who don't ask anybody how you could handle a problem, okay? And I just I just illustrated how you could ease the problem or possibly even handle it. Uh, one of the things that they're not going to do is uh, check with the people that it affects. And it affects you as an employee. And it is not uncommon for, and if you work at one of the dealers for the same manufacturer I work for, and even some of the other ones, it's the same way. There's never enough parking. There's always more fucking cars at, at your place of business than you could possibly deal with, possibly ever deal with. And so what they have decided to do is to create some sort of offsite parking. Wait for it. For the employees. Yes. This is not uncommon at all. And I've gone through this. 
I've gone through this where they tell you, oh, you can't park on the premises anymore. Yeah, but I work here. Yeah, but you can't park here anymore. Now, to me personally, I didn't give a shit uh, when it happened to me because we were just parking across the street. And that's not that far. But I know of a lot of dealerships where they actually have to shuttle you to work from your car. Now, I you know, I know some people are a little bit more uh, touchy about their own vehicles. Uh, I'm typically not like that, but I still don't really like the idea of parking five miles away from where I'm working and having somebody bring me there in a shuttle because what if they're late? Now I'm late, you know? What if I get there and the shuttle's pulling out? Now I gotta wait 10 minutes or maybe even 20 minutes for them to get back and pick me up. Now that's 20 minutes I should be at work earning them money and myself, by the way, but I'm not. I'm not. So, and there's several other ways that you can handle this. And a lot of dealers do this as well. They build parking garages, which are basically areas above the the workshop and possibly the collision shop and possibly, you know, I mean, they have several floors to them, like a parking garage you like might see in a city, you know, because really, honestly, we know there's, you know, there's a lot of cities where uh, the downtown area is not where you're going to find the dealer because that's not where people typically live. You're going to find most of the dealers are in the suburbs. There are several other solutions to a parking type problem uh, as far as I'm concerned, and I don't even know them all. But if I was looking for a solution, I would certainly, uh, and I mean this honestly, I would certainly look to people who've worked at other dealerships and say, hey, have you had parking problems at you know, such such dealer that you worked at? They go, oh yeah, well, how'd they solve that? Well, you know, they built a parking garage. Okay, that's expensive, but uh, you know, it's also doable. Uh, I did interview with a dealership at one point uh, that had, two uh, service areas, a, a first floor and a second floor, and then above them were uh, parking garages. So they were about four floors. And if they get busier, and they anticipated that they would get busier in the future, they could turn one of those parking garages into a service area. Just close it in, throw some lifts in it, put in some built-in toolboxes, and a boom, away you go. Hire some employees and start fixing even more cars, okay? I thought that that was actually uh, a pretty pretty smart idea some people are limited by uh zoning some people are limited by how close they might be to an airport uh this particular place that i interviewed with was right by an airport so they couldn't really build it any taller than they already had so but they had two levels of a parking garage they were fairly big and they held a lot of cars and uh it was kind of nice you know you could park upstairs and walk down to where you're working but this is one of the things that I'm trying to illustrate with that particular problem. I know I went on for quite a while and I apologize, but uh, if you have to solve a problem, why wouldn't you ask people who've already had experience with other people who are solving those problems? Well, it's not gonna happen. I can tell you right now uh, that probably 95 to 99% of you work somewhere where they're not gonna listen to a fucking thing that a technician says. And you know what? Honestly, part of that problem is because of us okay now i want you to i want you to take a a moment of your own time and think about the things that you say to management think about the things that you say to your service advisors and your your assistant managers your your assistant service managers uh and maybe even your general manager or or whoever else is in charge of the dealership you know could be a sales manager they're typically tasked with running the, the uh, dealership on a daily basis when the general manager isn't there. So these are all people who have management positions above you. And if you're, you have a problem or you have an issue, these are people that you could 
speak to about those problems. Uh, but I can't even begin to tell you how fruitless that all seems because these people typically aren't in the, the business of listening to people lest they have to and then and they're not going to if they don't have to especially technicians because what do we do when when we are speaking to uh, people in management what are we doing most of the time what are we doing and and you'll you'll know the answer you should, at least you should know the answer the answer is we're complaining we're complaining about a problem that we have you know have you ever gone up to your service manager and say hey i know you work hard thanks a lot for what you do Who's done that? Have any of have any of you motherfuckers done that ever? No. And 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 even myself, I've never done that. I mean, those words that just came out of my mouth just now are words I've never sp- spoken out loud before in my life. Do you ever go up to a service manager and go, "Hey man, thanks for what you do, you know? Uh, I appreciate the hard work and, you know, I appreciate all the shit you do." Nobody's nobody's ever done that, boys and girls. Nobody's ever gone up to their service manager or their assistant manager and said, hey, you know, thanks for what you do. I appreciate what you do. Actually, that's a lie. Somebody has done that. I did that over the weekend. My assistant, one of the service managers, yeah, two service managers. It's kind of like that old TV show, My Two Dads, you know. One guy lets you get away with everything and the other one says, nah, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, but they were working really hard to get us paid uh, and, and get some ROs straightened out get some stuff straightened out so that we could all get paid and uh i think that everyone just assumes that that's something that you should do and you should just shut up about it but i know that it's it was it was not easy it was a lot of hard work involved in it and i appreciated it a great deal uh but i know that none of my colleagues were ever gonna you know offer up any kind of appreciation and so uh, i did uh, but that's because I'm an old guy. I'm old school. I know that when people have to work really, really hard and they don't really want to or they don't feel like they have to and they do anyway, then you need to recognize. You need to, you know, you need to represent. You know, you need to go in and say, you know, I, I know that a lot of guys won't tell you, but I appreciate what you do. And I think that they do, too, on a very subliminal level. Uh, but that's the thing with technicians is nobody's really listening to us. Uh, and and it's it's not a good thing, really, because you guys... If you're like me, and I think a lot of you are, unfortunately, uh, if, you, if you're like me, you come up with solutions for things all day long. That's what you do, right? I mean, a guy brings you a car, it's all fucked up, and you go through and you look at it and go, okay, here's what's got to happen to fix this problem. Here's what's got to happen to fix that problem. Here's what's got to happen to fix that problem. Here's what's got to happen to fix that problem. You are problem solvers. And really, if you're a technician of any kind, whether you, you know, you've heard it a million times, whether you work on planes, trains, automobiles, uh, you know, boats, whatever it is, if they've got a problem and they call a technician in, you're the guy who looks at the problem and says, here's how you fix it. You're a problem fucking solver. And by the way, thank you for what you do, okay? Uh, But seriously, the people that we work for that aren't doing what we do are in a lot of cases creating some of the fucking problems that we have to deal with. You guys are the problem solvers, okay? So why, I and I don't understand why they don't, but I, service managers and other managers in your building and possibly in your company or maybe your owner, they're, they're never gonna ask you how you would solve a specific problem. They're never going to fucking do that. I mean, maybe somewhere in the world, somebody might come down and say, gee, you know, you used to work at this dealer and they solved this problem. How did they do that? And and I would probably, you'd be able to knock me over with a fucking feather if my boss said that to me. I'd be like, are you kidding me? You're you're actually asking me to help you out with something? Are you going to listen to the answer? And they go, well, probably not. But (laughs) what the fuck? (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Uh, One of the 
but what I started talking about was that one of the problems is that when people ask a technician uh, about a problem, uh, such as management or maybe even a service advisor, a lot of times we just take the opportunity to complain about what we don't like. And I've said before on this podcast that really if you're going to be one of these people, and, and it's fine, you can certainly complain if you want. And you can complain all day long if you want. You, you can complain so often that when people see you from across a room and they can't hear what you're saying, but they can see your lips moving, they know you're complaining. It's fine. It's fine. And, and if it makes you feel better, that's great. Um, a lot of times, just random blah, 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 blah complaining is not going to help any situation at all. Because after a while, if you just complain constantly, up and down, back and forth, it becomes white noise. Nobody's going to listen. Nobody's going to listen. Everybody is going to be just like, yeah, whatever. And nobody's going to hear what you say. So my advice, uh, which you know, I spouted this probably a year ago or so, was that if you have a complaint, you know, if you're going to complain about something, offer up a solution for it. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, okay, but this is a really rare maybe. Maybe somebody will hear your complaint and then hear your solution and then possibly it will spark some sort of an idea, some sort of a, a solution, okay? Now, don't hold your fucking breath, boys and girls, okay? Because management, and, and you know, I think a lot of you know this as well as I do, that when certain individuals become a manager, they instantly believe they're f- the fucking smartest human beings on the planet. I, I have experienced this so many times where people I know who are of reasonable intelligence suddenly become a manager of something and they are they it was like they were elevated to a godlike status and and even I was a manager at one time or another but I don't remember carrying an attitude about me that I knew everything although I've been accused of that before I I have to uh give you a, a little mea culpa here I do at times appear to be a know-it-all because I actually do know some things believe it or not I I like to I like to label myself as a stupid fucking idiot and basically in my own mind I am a stupid fucking idiot but I know a few things I mean I've been to college three times I've graduated all three times thank you very much so I went to college for more than a couple of weeks I graduated from high school I read things sometimes uh, sometimes I don't uh, but I know I know a few things and if you're talking about something I know something about I might chime in with some sort of comment or some sort of fact and people fucking hate that did you know that people fucking hate that especially if they're not talking to you that's really bad you know if you go oh yeah I've been there I did that and oh I know all about that and then they're like yeah okay fuck you shut up you know <laughs> and that's the problem with mechanics because we're problem solvers we're always going to have some sort of solution even if it's not viable I mean, you know, with the parking problem, let's say you're a mechanic, you know, you're used to solving problems and somebody's talking about a parking solution at your building and you sit, you come up with something like, well, why don't you just make us all ride bikes to work? And everyone would just look at you and go, what are you fucking stupid? I live 25 miles from here, asshole. You know, <laughs> I mean, but it's, it is a solution because a bike is a hell of a lot easier to park. It takes up a hell of a lot less space than a, a lifted Ford F-250, you know, <laughs> It takes up a hell of a lot less space and it's that's another customer's car that they can put on the lot or it's another used car that they can try to run through the used car department. It's another new car that they can put on a lot. It's just you're going to free up space if you can ride a bike. And if you've come up with that solution as a technician to ride a bike to work so that you don't take up a parking spot, you might want to only mention that 
if you live really fucking close close by, maybe across the street or maybe just like a mile or two down the road. I have uh, a couple of gentlemen at where I work who ride bikes, but because uh, the people who drive in this city and, and every city on the earth, by the way, uh, are so fucking stupid, uh, just stupid, and they don't know how to drive to begin with. And so you really take your life in your own hands when you ride a bike or a motorcycle. So if you ride either one of those to work or just anywhere in general, please be careful. Holy shit. I've seen so much carnage, so much carnage because people just don't fucking see you. They, they get used to looking for a car coming and they look both ways and they don't see any car coming. But never mind that there's a bike or a motorcycle coming. They don't see that shit at all and they'll pull right the fuck out in front of you. And if you're traveling at any kind of rate of speed, even on a bicycle, some of those fucking things go 50, 60 miles an hour if you're hauling ass, right? They'll pull right out in front of you and then they'll, they'll, they'll have this incredulous look on their face. Oh, I didn't see you. Really? I can see that your eyes work, you stupid bitch. You know, if you're gonna make if you're gonna make a, a a suggestion like that to ride a bike to work to free up a parking spot, that might not be very feasible. Okay, but it is a solution. So, but and and you know what? Keep trying, really, because if you have a complaint and you have a solution, it's more likely that somebody's gonna listen to you. It's not very likely, but it's more likely. Now, one of the things that I uh, I dislike about the fact that no one is listening to us is that there are so many people above us who are in charge of things that have an effect on us, and yet here they are not listening to us, okay? Now, one of the things I go on and on and on and on and on and on and on, and I mean ad, ad infinitum, they're painting themselves into a corner where they're not gonna have anybody to work on the cars, and it's gonna cause them huge problems, bigger problems. This is a problem that is not only, not only is it not going away, it is not ever gonna go away, if they continue to not listen to us and they continue to believe that they have all of the fucking answers, which is one of the problems, why, which is why they don't listen to you, which is why they don't listen to us at all. It's because they believe they have all the answers. They believe they're brutally smart. They believe that they're almost godlike in their management tasks that, oh, you know, I'm the manager. I, I know everything. No, really, as a manager, you should realize that you know nothing. And and in some cases, a manager is just a layer of an employee between another employee. You know, if you're a service manager and you have service advisors working for you and, and the service advisor has an angry customer and that customer is so angry with them that they can't deal with them anymore, you'll have to talk to the service manager. And that's what the service manager's job is. And rarely, if ever, do they get past the service manager because it's tiring to be pissed off at somebody. Believe me, I'm pissed off at a lot of people myself. And I get to a couple levels of management and I'm just like, whatever, fuck it. You know, and then I just fire off an angry email with a lot of F-bombs in it and they just delete it. They don't read it either, okay? So there's a whole level of not listening that goes on there as well, okay? But here's the deal, okay? They're not listening to us. They're not acknowledging our problem. They believe, honestly, that they can just continue to pay this fucking peanut wage that they're paying us and have people do this job. Okay, the problem is, and they apparently they're just not seeing this. The problem is, is that the quality of the technicians that are coming into the field now is kind of pathetic. It's pathetic. We have new guys at our dealership. They're actually pretty good, but they're new guys. Okay, so they're the quality of their work is is up to snuff for a new guy. 
But if their quality of their work stays at that level or doesn't, you know, increase and become better, if they don't rise to the challenge and raise their own standards, you're going to suffer as a shop owner, as a dealer, as somebody who runs a dealership, you're going to suffer. You're going to have really somewhat substandard work going out the door. And honestly, to me, it seems like dealerships just don't care. I mean, they'll put banners and mission statements all over the building. You know, they'll tell every customer, oh, you're our number one focus. You're our primary, our primary focus here at this dealership. But then they turn around and they fucking drop the ball when it comes to putting the employees on staff who can actually properly take care of the customer's concerns, properly diagnose a customer's problem, properly maintain a car. That's, they drop the ball in the name of profits, Okay. And nobody's listening. Nobody, I can tell you this right now. You, you guys out there, and I want to say thank you again for listening to me, okay? Because honestly, in my daily uh, routine in the shop I'm working at, nobody's listening to me. You guys are the only ones who ever listen to me. Sometimes the neighbors hear me if I say the word fuck too loud, but you know, that's what they get for living next to the rock and roll garage, okay? But uh, no, it's, it's, it's criminal. And, and what's going to happen is, is that sooner or later, and I would have thought that it would have happened by now, but it hasn't yet, and, and it, it, it's a problem. It's like a, it's like a blister, and one of these days it's going to pop all by itself because nobody's going to go through and try to alleviate the problem. There's not going to be anybody to fix the cars that's any good. All of the people who knew how to do it properly and correctly and had experience and training, they're going to be doing something else or retired, and you're going to be left with nothing but a, a, just a shop full of fucking guys who can barely do the job, and if the job's too tough, they're just not going to do it at all. And then you're going to be fucked because your customers are going to hate you because every time they bring their car in, they're going to have to bring it back again and then bring it back again and then bring it back again. It's just not getting any better. And the reason is because nobody's listening to us when we tell them we need more money. Whether we tell them in person as a small group or as a large fucking group, which is what we are, you, you, all of you out there in Grease Wheels Nation, all of you wrench twisted mofos out there as a group need more fucking money. And and the problem, the, the problem really is, is that, you know, as technicians working in your shop, we know how much money you make off of us. And we are getting a fucking tiny ass percentage of it. And when we talk to you about money, and we know this in the back of our mind that you are fucking basically fucking Scrooge, we know. You, we're not going to get anywhere with you. And that's not, you're not listening to us because nobody listens. Nobody comes down and says to you, hey, Joe, let's make up a fictitious Grease the Wheels Nation listener and say, hey, Joe, how come I can't get any of the new guys to fix the cars correctly? Uh, you know, every time we put a car out for this one guy or this other guy over here, it comes right back and it still has the same problem. I go, well, that's because the service manager is hiring anybody who can fog a mirror. And they don't they have a brand new tool set that they just took the wrapper off three weeks ago. And now suddenly they're a mechanic. And maybe they were in high school this time last year. They've never been to an automotive school. And they change the oil in their mother's car a couple of times, maybe their own car if they have one. Maybe they've changed uh, uh, swapped out a tire 
You know, not even a tire, maybe just the rim and the tire together. You know, the lug nut bolts, that's all they know how to do. And they came rolling in here and maybe they told the manager that they've worked on cars before because their car and their mother's car, that's plural. So they've worked on cars before and they're mechanics because they have tools. And so the manager just said, oh, well, I don't really listen very well. So I'm just going to go ahead and hire you because you have your own tools and you can work on cars. And then they get in the shop and they haven't got a fucking clue what to do. And so when you hand them some car that might have a problem or maybe it's just regular maintenance, maybe somebody that inexperienced could fuck up regular maintenance on a car. Happens all the time. I pull drain plugs out all the time that are so fucking tight I have to get a fucking half-inch breaker bar to get the fucking things out. They don't need to be that fucking tight, boys and girls. So if you're a new guy and you're listening to this, figure out how to torque a fucking drain plug. And lug nuts, same thing. Holy fuck. I, I swear every one of you out there has your fucking impact gun set on kill when all you need to do is set it on stun, okay? Yeah, nobody's listening. I, I'm sorry. Um, I am, however, listening. And I, like I said, I want to I wanna say it one last time before I get out of here. I appreciate you listening to me. And, and if, it, if this helps you in any way, uh, let me just say this real quick. I get, I, and then I'll get the hell out of here. If you want people to listen to you what you have to do is, let's say you have an idea, okay? And this is, I've actually, I've actually done this before. This has happened to me before. If you have an idea about how something should work or how something should be different, what you have to do is you almost have to get into the mind of the people that you're talking to and the people who are the movers and shakers who can actually perform these, these tasks or change these policies that you're looking to change. You have to get inside of their mind and somehow put the idea into their head and make them believe it's their idea. You have to use almost a reverse psychology on them. I had, and this is not a lie. I had a, a we had a concern with a, we had a parking concern at one of the places I worked at. And we had no room for our customers' cars because the salespeople in our building would take any car that they test drove that the customer said they were gonna buy and shove them in our customer parking spots. And it used to piss us off. And then they would take the keys and sometimes they would take the keys home. So you would want to park a customer's car out in the customer parking lot, you know, as a service, as a service individual. And you couldn't because there were all these new cars or even used cars parked in the spots that we use. So what I did was I said to the service manager, who was a fucking complete total waste of time, I said, we need a row specifically for sold cars. And he told me point blank, he goes, oh, no, we don't need to do that. That's no good. That'll never work. Okay, fine. Well, somehow or another, I must have planted a seed because his mind was full of bullshit anyway. So any kind of seed you would plant in there would have grown no problem because his brain was basically fucking compost anyway. But a year later, he came up with this brilliant idea to make a sold row so that all the salesmen could put their sold cars in the sold row instead of our customer's car, instead of our customer's rows. And I applauded him. I said, wow, that's a really good idea. And he looked at me like he didn't have any clue what the fuck I was talking about? He had completely disregarded the fact that I had told him that this would be a good idea a whole year earlier. And it took him a year, 12 solid fucking months to come up with the very same idea that I put into his ear a year earlier and then decide it was a good idea to the point where he would actually enact it, which is really quite the feat because this guy didn't do shit. He, he come in late, leave early, you know, take an hour and a half lunch, he was basically fucking worthless. So for him to actually take the initiative to actually do something and to solve a problem that we actually were having, which was ridiculous for him, that 
it was that was amazing. That was like climbing Mount Everest for him. That was more effort than I'd ever seen him put in. He made a sold row, and I was happy because then they stopped parking in our fucking spots. So when we had a car and we were done with it, we pulled it out into the customer parking spots, and then we didn't have to walk six fucking miles to get back to the dealership. You know? But that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm trying to get through to you is that maybe if you have a solution to a problem, you have to figure out a way to make your service manager or your assistant service manager or whoever it is that's your fixed ops manager, whatever you have, or maybe even your owner, because a lot of you work at Indies and just have an owner. If you have an idea to solve a problem, you kind of have to put it out there bit by bit maybe, like almost like somebody leaving a trail of breadcrumbs so they can figure out how to get the fuck back out of the forest and then let them come to the same conclusion that you've come to hours earlier. You know, you got a problem, you've come up with a solution, you know that if you go to them and you tell them what your solution is, they're just gonna go, oh, that'll never work. And then they'll think about it for a few hours. Maybe if you've left a little tray, a real good little trail of breadcrumbs, they'll come to the same solution that you did, but hours, maybe days, and maybe even a fucking year later. That's one of the things that you can do. Okay, now listen, and, and this is what the name of this podcast is gonna be called. Listen! <laughs> listening nobody's listening i'm sorry hey make your ideas their ideas okay uh but listen up i just want to get out of here real quick but one of the things i want to say is that i am actually a really really good listener usually when somebody comes up to me and says hey how was your weekend i say mine was fine but how was yours that's a way of showing people that you're listening to them okay my way of showing you guys the grease the wheels listeners out there in grease the wheels nation that i'm listening is by offering for you to leave me comments on our facebook page because that's where i get to read them with really relative ease i mean if you you know if you throw them on some other forum yeah, I'm an old guy. I'm not going to look at that, you know. Um, but but do definitely leave me some comments if you have some solutions to problems that you have come up with and that have, have worked for you, or if you have a, a if you have a solution for this whole listening problem. That's a whole other thing too, because we know that when they don't listen to you about how little money you're making, that you end up having to grease the wheels and go somewhere else and get the money you want. And then when they don't want to give you a raise, you know, a year, two years later, three years later, you have to grease the wheels and go somewhere else where they'll give you more money you know and this is a it's a sad and ongoing tale and very few of us are working in the same places for very long so all right listen that's enough of me okay i'm gonna get the out of here and uh usually when i do that listen leave me comments i'm serious god damn it i'll read them i promise i promise i'll read them uh but otherwise i'm going to jettison myself from this podcast by saying see ya